If you have your hymnal, turn in the back of the hymnal to the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, if you would, please. Um, We have been going through, uh, in successive Sundays, uh, the lessons of the Heidelberg Catechism. And uh, I occasionally remind you that though this is a human document written by Olivianus and Ursinus uh, hundreds of years ago, um, it is a biblical document not because it is inspired like the word of God, which is infallible, inspired, and inerrant, but because it follows a biblical pattern uh, following the book of Romans, uh, three sections, misery, deliverance, and gratitude, follow the outline of the book of Romans, and it follows a biblical method as well, that is questions and answers. And if you're a good student of the Bible, you know that Jesus often taught, taught excuse me, by asking questions. Uh, it's come to be known as a Socratic method, but it was actually originally a rabbinical method. Uh, and Jewish rabbis today still follow that method. So the catechism is eminently biblical in those regards, in both its outline and its method of teaching. And we're up to Lord's Day 7 um, in section 2 of the catechism. That is, how are we delivered from sin and misery? And um, question 20 reads, and if I would ask you to respond with the answer, Are all people then saved through Christ just as they were lost through Adam? No, only those are saved who through true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. And then what is true faith? True faith is not only a sure knowledge by which I hold as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. It is also a wholehearted trust which the Holy Spirit works in me by the gospel, that God is freely granted, not only to others, but to me also, eternal righteousness and salvation. Gifts are purely of grace, only because of Christ's merit. And what must a Christian believe? All that is promised to us in the gospel a summary of which is taught us in the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith. And that's the Apostles' Creed, which we just read. So, very good. I would ask you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, please. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read the first uh, six questions. Uh, questions. First, excuse me. First six, six verses of Hebrews chapter eleven. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, though uh, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
four uh, points this morning. First of all, believing or belief. Secondly, the basics of true faith, the basis of true faith, and the benefits of true faith. <clears throat> so, uh, first of all, believing. You see that in uh, verse 6, all right? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. This is why the Catechism says, only those are saved who through true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. Only... Uh, um, all people are, are, are not saved uh, as uh, all were lost in Adam. That is, there is no universalism, all right? It's a popular concept. Uh, it's well abroad. It's probably the default understanding of most people in our generation. That is, that everybody goes to heaven. You hear this uh, platitude often at funerals, um, not Christian funerals, but uh, generic secular funerals, is they're better off uh, because they're free from whatever, or uh, they're upstairs, or they're with uh, people that have died previously to them. Uh, we live in an age of religious uh, pluralism, and universalism is probably the default belief. But uh, belief is necessary. Uh, the scripture says, without faith it is impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, he is not a way or a truth. He is not one among many, all right? So, uh, belief is necessary, the necessity of true faith. What about the basics of true faith? The Catechism very helpfully spells this out, all right? <clears throat> Excuse me, so that we might understand what true faith actually is. If you look back at verse 1 in Hebrews 11 here, we have an interesting statement. One, a future uh, statement. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, all right? Future. And the conviction of things not seen, present, all right? So... Um, and throughout chapter 11, if you read it, it's well known as kind of the hall of faith, or if you will, even the hall of fame of faith, although we don't uh, pride ourselves before the Lord. Uh, if you look through that, these were uh, men and women, uh, such as Abel and Enoch, who had nothing but God's promises to rest on, all right? They had nothing but God's promises to rest on. They had no visible evidence uh, that they would be fulfilled, God's promises. And yet, they regulated their lives by God's promises. And they active, acted as if what was future, that is hoped for, was already present, all right? The conviction of things not seen. Their faith simply consisted in taking God at his word. Donald and I were talking before worship uh, in his own um, journey as a Christian, coming to a more mature understanding as he searched the scriptures to see what they actually taught concerning certain things. He became somewhat uh, confused regarding prior beliefs, but he said, I have to believe God's word. I have to believe what, what's in the Bible. If God's word teaches it, then I believe it. No matter what, I may not be able to understand it. I forget who it was, Pastor Dan could enlighten us afterwards, who said, Crudo, uh, credo that is, I believe, in order to understand. That's very important, all right? Because we need to submit our minds to the Scripture. We need to 
place our understanding, we need to place our reasoning, we need to place our intellect under the Word of God, right? We don't stand over the Word of God judging what we believe, what we don't believe, what's true, what's false, right? Of course, we use our minds, don't misunderstand me, but we have to place our minds under the Word of God, that if God says it, even though I may not completely understand it, I'll believe it in order that, prayerfully, I might seek the Lord and I might understand better. That's what these people in Hebrews chapter 11 did, all right? They regulated their lives by God's promises. They acted as if what was future was already present. And their faith simply consisted in taking God at his word, all right? That's what a catechism says. True faith is not only a sure knowledge by which I hold as true all that God has revealed to us in his word, all right? That's the starting point, okay? I think it was, it was Augustine who said, if, if you believe in the gospel what you like and reject what you don't like, it's not the gospel you believe. But yourself. And that's a dangerous belief, all right? It is the gospel, all right? Faith, okay, is not opposed to knowledge. Sometimes you see this little uh, a cartoon. I've seen it in numerous places in my Christian life uh, where you have a, a figure uh, here and the background is white. And then over here on this side of the picture, it's black. And the caption is, faith is walking to the edge of all the light that you have and taking one more step. That is not faith. All right. That's a leap in the dark. That's not faith. Faith, all right, is taking God at his word, all right? And we understand all of life in light of his word. Faith is not opposed to knowledge, all right? It actually consists in knowledge. Look at our text. Look at verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible, all right? Here's the author looking out at the world, and he says, by faith we understand. That's not opposed to knowledge. No, he bases that on the word of God, all right? Faith actually consists in knowledge. We need to understand what, uh, what uh, the content of our faith is. It's not a leap in the dark, all right? Secondly, the catechism very helpfully and very importantly here points out something which the author of Hebrews also emphasizes, right? Is that Christianity is not just a religion of propositions. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's propositional truth to be found in the statements of Scripture, all right? And doctrine has propositional truth, all right? But you could believe every, every doctrine taught in a systematic theology and still go to hell. You could believe... Numerous propositions about Jesus, about Christianity, and still go to hell. This is, unless you doubt me, this is what James says of the devil, right? He says, the devil believes, and he quakes in his boots because he believes. He knows that what God says and who God is is true, right? But he knows Satan is often a better theologian than many people in church, right? So it's important, all right? Uh, Christianity is not just a religion of propositions, but it's intensely personal, 
all right? It's intensely personal. <clears throat> Catechism says, it's a wholehearted truth, trust, which the Holy Spirit works in me by the gospel. <clears throat> that not only to others, but me also, to me also, forgiveness of sins, eternal righteousness, and salvation have been given. All right? The pronouns, I, me, my, intensely personal. Christianity is not just a matter, right, of believing certain things that are floating around in your brain, uh, propositions, it's trusting them, right? It's appropriating them personally. We'll talk more about that in a moment. <clears throat> and that's the, the third thing. It's trust, all right? It's trust. It's actually trusting these things. Faith, F-A-I-T-H, you might think of as forsaking all, I take him. F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I take him. John Murray from Westminster Seminary, gone to be with the Lord, says, the specific character of faith is that it looks away from itself and finds its whole interest and object in Christ. Listen, it's like the I do of marriage. You know, when a couple gets married, right, and the vows are exchanged, I do. What does that act? That actually accomplishes the marriage. That is a marriage that's made. A marriage is a covenant. And the exchange of vows when each party says, I do, is making that covenant. And that's what actually makes a marriage, right? It's like the idea, I do, of marriage. It unites one person to another by saying, I do, all right? <clears throat> Faith unites us to the living Jesus Christ and his righteousness. All right? Listen to this, all right? Get this straight. Faith doesn't save. I got your attention now, right? Faith doesn't save, all right? Not even faith in Christ saves. It's Christ who saves through faith. Faith has no merit in itself, right? What does the catechism say? It talks about because of Christ's merit. Right? Christ saves through faith. We need what he supplies, what he provides through the instrument or through the means of faith. We are united by faith to Christ and all his benefits. All right, So it's Christ who saves through faith. Look, it's like an irrigation pipe, right? It's an, it's an instrument to bring all the heavenly blessings of Christ to you and to me. And the essence of faith is this casting oneself on the promise of God. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I believe that. Forsaking all, I take him. I take Jesus. All right? Excuse me. The true knowledge of who Jesus is and what he has done in his death and resurrection is like a life preserver on a ship. I don't know. We don't all get around boats or ships often, but you've seen pictures of life preservers, right? <clears throat> Believing that that life preserver can save somebody if they're drowning will not do you any good if you're drowning. You need to grab that life preserver and you need to hold on to it for dear life in order to be rescued, right? So also, right? <clears throat> 
a true knowledge of who Christ is and what he has done is like a life preserver. Believing it's able to save someone, that it's an excellent device. Oh, isn't it great that somebody came up with this idea of a life preserver, all right? Uh, will not save you if you're drowning. You must have a hold of it and place it around you to keep from sinking. There's a story of uh, a daredevil who um, walked across a tightrope on Niagara Falls. Maybe you see some of these things on daredevil stories. I kind of like them myself, right? And he got up on that tightrope, and he walked across Niagara Falls to the other side, and he made it. And everybody said, hey, great, oh, yeah, what a marvelous daredevil, right? Then he said, I'm going to do it with a wheelbarrow. He got a wheelbarrow out. And he came back across the falls with the wheelbarrow. Hey, this daredevil, what a great guy. He said, you believe that I can walk across this rope and get to the other side safely? Yeah, yeah, we saw you do it, we believe it. You think I can do it with the wheelbarrow? Yeah, yeah, we know you can do it. Yeah, we saw you do it. Get in. That's faith. Believing that Jesus can save you does nothing unless you forsake all and take him. Get in the wheelhouse. Right? You got it? Faith. Faith. <clears throat> Faith is a connection with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> He is the one who connects, faith is what connects us to Jesus and all his benefits, all right? So what's the basis, if those are the basics of faith, right? <clears throat> Holding on to the promises of God, right? Personally appropriating them, I, me, my, right? And trusting, right? Forsaking all I trust or take him, right? What's the basis? Well, the Heidelberg Catechism says, faithfully reflecting Scripture, these gifts, these benefits, which we'll get to in a moment, are purely of grace only because of Christ's merit. It's Christ who saves through faith, all right? Only, only grace. There's nothing that you or I can do, right? Nothing that you or I can contribute, all right? I'm please, this is why it's important, that little jiggle of words I said earlier, right? Faith doesn't save, not even faith in Christ that saves, it's Christ that saves by faith. If I asked you the question, if you were to die tonight, why do you think Jesus would let you into heaven? How would you answer that question? If you answer that question because I believed, then your faith is in faith. Get it? No, Jesus will let me into heaven because my only hope is Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's what gets me into heaven. It's Christ who saves through faith. Faith, don't have faith in faith. This is very common in North American evangelicalism, right? How do you know you're a Christian? Well, because my, birth, my spiritual birthday is on, you know, the... 12th of February, 20 years ago, I, I believed. Oh, no. Your faith is in faith. Get it? Your faith needs to be in Christ. It's only by grace. 
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And those are the benefits that the Catechism points out here, right? That God has freely granted not only to others, but to me also personally, forgiveness of sins, eternal righteousness, and salvation, right? Forgiveness of sins through his shed blood on the cross of Calvary. That there he was wounded for me. That there he was a substitute for me. That there he took my sins. God made him who knew no sin, who was perfectly obedient, who was perfectly sinless. God took my sin and placed them on Jesus. And took his righteousness and gave it to me. His perfect obedience. Forgiveness, righteousness, eternal righteousness and salvation. The benefits of true faith. This, and this only, is true faith. Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. Thank you that it's sure, that it's firm, that we can trust what it tells us. And thank you that your word is a lifeline to Jesus Christ, in whom alone there is forgiveness of sins and righteousness and salvation. Help us, Father, to appropriate and appreciate these things, for we ask it in his name. Amen and amen.